morning. Um, today's reading is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Thanksgiving and prayer. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel for, from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It is good to be able to come here amongst you. And I can guarantee that I have a very good forgettery. So I will remember your names, well, some of them. I will try and learn your names, but please, Forgive my... Drew, you forgot something, mate. You're not old enough to forget things yet, mate. <laughs> mm? <laughs> so, it is good to be here. And I'd love to get to meet you and know you. Uh, for those who haven't worked out, I'm going to be here three nights a week. We plan on coming up on a Saturday and staying up here and leaving on Tuesday we don't know what time Saturday will come up and we don't know what time Tuesday will go back. It depends upon whether there's something to do up here on Saturday or for Tuesday. And also depends on what, whether we've got something back down south. We live at uh, Fern Bay, for those who aren't aware. And we have three sets of grandkids who live sort of half an hour north, half an hour west and half an hour south of us. So they can be a bit of a distraction from time to time. So they'll have various... They seem to have birthdays. When you've got eight grandkids, that's a lot of birthdays to remember and all the rest of that sort of thing happening. You see, this Wednesday for us is a significant day. Not because it's Valentine's Day, it's our grandson's birthday. So, <laughs> but Anyway, I'd love to get to know you and I'd like to catch, come and catch up with you. If you ever want to talk to me, feel free. The, the, my contact phone number, will I won't read it out to you now, will be in the bulletin next week, won't it, Gwen? So feel free to ring me. If you want to ring me outside those times, I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, I have an off button on my phone. I can decline calls or send... I have a message bank. I can send it to the message bank or uh, I don't mind... I started ministering in their days before you had mobile phones and you had to wait till you got home to answer the answering machine. So uh, feel free to leave me a message. I will get back to you if you leave a message. I won't guarantee I'll always answer it when you ring, though I usually will, but you never quite know. So I'd love to catch up with you and talk to you, so if you want to invite us for coffee, 
lunch, dinner, whatever suits you best, particularly on one of those days we're up here, we'd love to come and see you. So look forward to doing that. Back in 2010, there was a movie came out called Eat, Love, Pray. Let me see if this thing's working. I've got to turn it on first, don't I? It's called Eat, Pray, sorry, Eat, Pray, Love. I don't know if any of you remember, it was based on a book of the same name. It was a, about a recently divorced woman who, who goes in search of what the real meaning of life is. She goes first to Italy and eats, goes then to India and prays, and then Bali and love all happens and all the rest of it. As I start my time here, I'm not about to give you the story and synopsis or preview of the movie. As I start my time here, I wanted to thought we'd start with looking at what I consider to be the basics of being a Christian, which also implies about being the basics of being part of the church. And it's got nothing to do with the movie, but I like the title, Eat, Pray, Love. One thing churches are famous for, and I suspect this church is absolutely no different for, is whenever the church seems to gather, there always seems to be food, doesn't it? And not small amounts. Is this church any different to any of the other churches I've been to? It's great. It's but, <coughs> so, but it's not eat, pr- love and pray that I want to talk ab- about. Rather, what I want to talk about is pray, love and serve. Th- for me, these are three really basic aspects of the life of every Christian and should be the part, part of the basics of every life of every church. Without these th- any one of these three, we're missing something. And also, if there's not those things living in the church, the church is missing something. And so over the next three Sundays, I want to look at each one of these. So today we're going to look at prayer. Next week I'll look at love. And the week after we'll look at serve. Now, the many other basics that I could speak about. You know, we talk about what are the main basic aspects. If you talk about what is the distinctives of being a Baptist, I remember when I did Baptist distinctives... 40 years ago, uh, 40, about over 40 years ago, um, the two, you know the two main Baptist, distinctives of Baptist churches are? What the Baptists would claim is the two major distinctives. And let me give you a clue, it's not baptism. The two major distinctives of baptism when we talked about those days were the Lordship of Christ and then the authority of Scripture. There's a whole lot of others. And now, look, we need to be perfectly honest here. They're not unique to Baptist churches. But if we want to talk about what some of the basics are, they're the two. two. So, as a church, I suspect there's people in here with a whole lot of different theological views on a whole lot of variety of subjects. But I suspect, as a church, as Christians, as Baptists, they're two things that we can all agree on the Lordship of Christ and the authority of Scripture. We might spend hours discussing what we mean by the authority of Scripture, but the authority of Scripture, that's what we look for. What are the implications of the Lordship of Christ we might discuss for long times because it's so very vitally important. So they're the basics of our faith. But I want to look at these other ones. Pray, love and serve. And in tackling the one of prayer, we could really look at a thousand different verses. 
There's a whole lot of scriptures. Paul regularly, when he begins his letters, if you notice when he, Paul starts his letters, he often talks about, I'm praying for you. He starts by giving thanks for them. He gives thanks for the church. You know, we could start talking about this church. We could talk about your forebears. I confess that I looked on your website and you had the, had the history of the last 25 years. You did, I couldn't find, you said it had on there that it was a history of, the, of somewhere of the first 25. I couldn't find that. But, so I did briefly skim read the history. I can't say I read it all, but of the, of the last 25 years. And you, know, you talk back about the history of this church. There's some great forebears who've gone before you who've laid the foundation of this church and brought it to where it is today. And we could give thanks and pray about them. The other thing I want to say about prayer is I have a confession here. Whenever I preach about prayer, I've got to confess that I feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes. You see, I not perfect in prayer I wouldn't call myself a great prayer and prayer is one of those things that I've had to learn to deal with and these lessons and you know I don't think I've often heard people say when preachers preach they're preaching as themselves as much as they are preaching as someone else and whenever you preach on prayer that's classically true you're preaching to yourself as much as to anyone else but let's start with talking about the plan to pray The need to plan to pray stands out from the consistency of Paul's letters. Another way of putting this is you might want to say priority was a major aspect in the life of Paul. We could spend hours, for example, also talking about prayer was a major aspect of the life of Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, prayer was something that he did all the time. It really is a priority of of, of most of the things. and If we're going to make it a priority... Guess what? My family is one of the priorities in my life. And, you know, I mentioned all those grandkids. I've got to plan and work out how we're going to get catch up with them all. You who are grandparents know exactly what I mean, don't you? Sort of trying to, how do you fit them into the time? And, and then work, how do you fit your work? And you've got to plan, priorities, you've got to plan to do them. Prayer, priority, if it's a priority, we've got to plan to do it. I was surprised, uh, it was like, last month I read this from Carl Fay's. He sends out a little daily devotional thing and he wrote down, he said, surveys of average Australians show that around 30 to 40% of us pray regularly. He's not talking about church people, Australians. Now, if we think about it, we think about that for a lot of them, that means they get into trouble and say, Lord, help, I need you, I'm praying, Lord, I'm reaching out. It's very much a very peripheral type prayer. But prayer is really important. Paul starts this letter by thanking God for them. Do your prayers start with thanks? He acknowledges their commitment to the gospel. As we give four thanks for the forebearers of this church, we look forward to God continuing his work, who wrote at the beginning, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in, in, uh, sorry, will carry it on to the completion till the day of Christ Jesus. Paul expresses his great longing for the church. And you know one thing I can probably predict about virtually all the forebears of this church? That would be their same prayer. They may have had problems with this church, but they would pray that this church would would continue to grow in Christ Jesus. 
Think about it. That's what we want to see Christ do in this church. We want to see Christ grow in this church. Verses 9 to 11 then go on and speak about an outline of how he prays. And so we read, may, and my prayer is this, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge of the depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he prays for us, that your love may abound, that you may discern what is best and become pure and blameless. There's one of the things that I won't confess to being, or sorry, I will confess to not being pure and blameless. I'd like to be, but, and I'll strive towards it, but do we ever get there? But we need to discern what is best, what is pure, What's blameless? And Paul himself kept striving towards that. And may you be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Discuss love more next week, but it's a subject that's going to come up regularly in in churches. and It already has, I'm sure, in the life of this church. Churches need to abound in love. Love for God, love for one another needs to be a love that abounds in knowledge and insight that's based and encompasses the whole church. From this love, we will grow and discern what is best. We will discern what is best so that we may become pure and blameless. Now, we need to understand that we're never going to become pure and blameless through our own efforts. It's only ever going to be through what Jesus Christ has done for us through his death and resurrection. Yet it's something that we need to continually strive towards. We need to focus in all our lives that we may become the people God wants us to be. Our aim in our Christian life is to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. It comes through Jesus Christ. It's what Paul desires for the Christians at Philippi and it's what we need and pray will happen for all those who are part of this church. Because remember, he's praying for a church. He's praying for the church at Philippi. As you plan to pray for the church, we, we do need to pray for the physical needs of other people within the life of the church. We do need to pray the church will grow. We Most of all, though, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we as a church may continue to grow in their relationship with Christ just as we pray as others will come into that same relationship with Jesus Christ. There are many, many places mentioned in the New Testament where prayer is mentioned. We see Jesus praying on many occasions. We need to pray. And that really starts with making it a priority in our life. Planning when and where we will pray, planning what we're going to pray for. We need to learn to pray. Make it that priority. Plan to pray. The second thing I want to talk about is we need to persist in prayer. One of the short verses in the Bible, we often think of that verse that says, Jesus wept. Well, this is another one of those verses. Two words, 
pray continually. Though the old translations used to say, well, it was a pray without ceasing, I think. So they had three words. But it's the same concept. Pray. Don't stop praying. Just what does it mean to pray continually? What does that phrase mean? We sometimes dismiss the thought, no one can do that. We can't continually, 24 hours a day, pray, or even just when the hours we're awake to pray. We can't devote every hour of our life to prayer. I've come to understand that phrase to talk about, is our whole life an attitude of prayer? Is prayer something that dominates our whole life? That in all situations, we give thanks to God. We then give thanks that God has led us there and will help us through that particular situation. That God has provided and encourages us. And at times we really oftentimes we'll pray for help in a difficult situation. We just need to persist and become part of our life. Jesus told a, an interesting parable. Remember the parable Jesus told? He started off by talking about it in, in, in Luke chapter 18. He says, Then Jesus told this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Remember, it's talking about the unjust judge. And the widow kept, to use a, a modern expression, he kept nagging him, her, him. And he basically said, I'm not going to listen to your request because I want to, but I just want to stop your nagging to me. Because of her persistence. It speaks of a widow who keeps coming to an uncaring judge who eventually grants her request, request simply to get her off his case to get her away from that situation. Many of you have come to understand the need for us to continue to pray. If you're like me, and many of you have, you've got family members and friends who don't know Christ and you've been praying for them for, not years, in some cases, decades. You keep praying for them. Maybe they've never understood, maybe they've never been part of a church, Maybe they've had a bad experience of church or they've become disillusioned with God because they felt God let them down. For them, we need to continue to persist in prayer. Keep praying. Never give up. We also need to pray for the church. To pray that it'll become a healthy and fruitful church. As Paul prayed for the Philippians church, Sometimes we feel frustrated by church. If you've never got frustrated with this church or any other church you've been part of, you haven't been part of a church for very long. Churches will... I can guarantee... You know why this, I can guarantee this church will frustrate people? Because there's people in it. It's just something. It's actually really good to get involved in a non-Christian organisation and you know what? It's full of people too and it does... They have the same frustrating problems and people. Does that mean we stop praying? No. We persist in praying. We keep praying. And uh, the thing I like to remember is, remember about Philippi. You might think, well, Philippi is one of those great churches and uh, it's a wonderful church and everything went really well for them. Remember chapter 4 of Philippi? The Philippians chapter 4? Can you remember the first... There's a little story about two women in there. Guess what, he was, what they were doing? 
They were in dispute. Were they periphery people on the edge of the church? No. They were central to the life of the church. They're great gospel people. Let me read it to you. I didn't put this one up, but I probably should have. Uh, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sinki to be of the same mind of the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they contend, they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. They're two women who've cont- contended with him, who've worked hard with him, who've been there all the time. There's something wrong, we're not told what. Church at Philippi was no different to this church and every other church that is on this world. We need to pray. Do you pray for the church regularly? There are those, I'm sure, of you who will say you pray for the church in your own homes. Great. Continue to pray. But getting to people to pray corporately can always be a difficult matter on a difficult basis and I I suspect that in a church that has so many um, shift workers that gets really harder again. But we need as a church to pray and to get to pray. Do you pray for the services on Sunday? Do you uh, pray in your personal life on a regular basis when something goes well? Do you stop and give thanks? Say, thank you God, that was really great. I'm glad that went so well. When something goes wrong, do you stop and pray? You know, how often I've felt guilty of saying, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Little story. On one of our trips to Africa, about 20 years ago, we were working with the Baptist Convention of Kenya and the leader of the Baptist Convention of Kenya told us, don't ever tell the churches there that you'll pray for them. Does that sound sensible? The reason being, for when you tell the Africans you'll pray for them, and remember that in the African context, when we're building the churches, we're not visiting the big, the big uh, churches, we're visiting churches out in the villages when they're small and struggling and their needs are huge. And when they come and they talk to you about their needs, they're gigantic needs and really worthy needs and you'd love to just have billions of dollars and be able to sort of help them but you know you can't and if you go to these churches as a visiting westerner you're rich the mere fact that you can afford the plane ticket over there means you're rich you may not consider yourself rich but they do and so when you say to them i pray i'll pray about it you know someone says Look, could you help us with uh, building a school or a clinic or could you help us with fixing up the church or our water supply, our well? All of them really important things. How do we Westerners often say, we know we can't help all of them, so we'll often say, simply to keep them quiet almost, I'll pray about it. Their interpretation of when you say that is you'll go away, you'll pray about it, you'll ask God if you should help him and because it's such a worthy God, God is of course going to tell you, yes, you should pray, do something about it. And then when you don't do anything about it, that means you haven't listened to God 
You haven't acted on what God's told you or you haven't prayed to God. And so I'm not saying ignore their needs, but just don't use that phrase. And how often we glibly often just say back to someone, I'll pray about it and then go away. And what do we do? We don't pray about it. Now, I'm, I shouldn't say that about you because you'd never do that. It's just me that has that problem. But I suspect there might be one or two of you who have that same problem who do that. Some of you will go away and pray about it. Do we? Do we make it a priority to pray about it? Then, the final thing I want to talk about is this power in prayer. Paul's exhortation to the Philippians is found in the last chapter, in chapter 4, is well known, and it's repeating, I'm sure this is a well-known verse to you, a section. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice again, it starts with that word, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Then it brings us the need to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. There truly is power in prayer. God does answer prayer. It's really encouraging to hear the way that, that God has answered prayers of people in various kinds of needs. One of the things I've learned from working in churches is that, you know, the church times that we've had success in churches and things have gone really well, you know what accompanies them all? Times of prayer. As a church, we've gathered in prayer. I don't know if you've ever read about some of the great revivals that have taken place in years gone by, in many of the great revivals that have taken place. And guess what is characteristics of every one of those great revivals? Prayer. Every one of those great revivals starts with prayer. Some of the great ones have started with a couple of little old ladies in a house gathering, praying. Prayer really is so vital if God is, when God think, God things happen. I can uh, testify that the events that have had the most impact in the life I've been involved in, in churches I've been involved in, has been with prayer. Billy Graham used to say, and I was involved in the 78 crusade as a thing, but Billy Graham's crusade said there were three things that were important about pre preparation for the revival, for the crusade meetings. You know what the three things were? that Billy Graham said. First one was prayer. Second one was prayer. Third one was prayer. They were the three things. It's a bit like that quote from a real estate agent, you know, location, location, location. Well, in churches, it's prayer, prayer, prayer. And we present our requests to God. Did you notice what Paul says will happen? He didn't say... And your prayers will be answered mightily and everything will go right and you'll live wonderfully for the rest of your life. Oh no, he didn't. He said the peace of God would descend. 
I suspect that the reason many people often don't pray much is they're not sure if it's worth it. It's if it's going to be, get the result they want. It's not like we're going to get off usually an immediate response. We have someone asked them, we get an immediate response. With God, we often don't. There's really that thunderbolt moment. You know, in my ministry, I've had to make some decisions sometimes and you think, I can remember one, I was thinking about going to a particular church and we were about to drive across the Nullarbor. And I said, you know what would be really great, God, if while we're driving across the Nullarbor, this great big neon sign appeared on the side of the road with the answer. Do you want to know what happened when we drove across the Nullarbor? They didn't sign. No such sign appeared. just wasn't there. I don't know if you uh, remember the story of um, Elijah. Elijah had that great victory over the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in, in 1 Kings 18. Then he went into this state of depression and then he went and hid in a cave. And you know what? Let me read it to you from 1 Kings 19. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountains in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. It was in that gentle whisper that he met God and heard God speak. God's answers to our prayer are really that dramatic thunderbolt, that lightning. It's really, they're really usually the assurance that he hears, that he cares. It was a church when we pray. Won't necessarily see huge big things, but over time as we pray and we pray and we pray, we see God at work. Usually happens not in the way that we expect. One of the problems about praying is so often our expectations are wrong, our desires are misplaced. In uh, Philippians, Paul continues at the end of that chapter 4. And remember when Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians, you know where he's writing it from? He's in prison as he's writing this letter. Remember that in your back of your mind. He writes this from verse 10, 10 onwards. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord and that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you, sorry, indeed you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I'd like to read that whole bit because most of us just jump down to verse 13. I can do all things through God who gives me strength. But Paul's writing this from prison. He's writing this in terms of knowing what it is to be in need, what it is 
to have things not go his way. The power of prayer doesn't mean that life was easy for Paul. On the contrary, what it did mean was that God was always there and always enabled him. So this morning I want to leave you with some questions. How well do you pray? Do you have a regular pattern of prayer? Have you really thought about what it is that you pray for? And do you pray for and with this church? There are no right or wrong ways to pray. There is no wrong or right time to pray or place to pray. For some it will involve journaling, writing down, it will involve a prayer list or a prayer diary. For some it will involve just a pattern that they've developed on these days, I'll pray for whatever. The important thing is that you do pray and that you've planned to pray and you make pray and you persist in prayer. Over the years, one of the things I've rediscovered in recent years is the Lord's Prayer. It's a model that Jesus gave us to use and it's a model I've discovered is very valid still today. And when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I will often pray it line by line and sometimes I'll change the words. What does it mean, hallowed? Honoured, glorified? Just think about it. What does that mean for you? How do you pre-pray that? Other times I'll think about other lines or I'll dwell and meditate on a particular line and change it. Sometimes dwell on the line to forgive. Or what does it mean to give us our daily bread? Or, or what does it mean your kingdom come? Just dwell on those. If you meditate on this prayer, it'll truly enrich you. And so to conclude this message, I thought we might pray this prayer together. And I've written it up there because one of the problems we have as Baptists in praying and Christians in praying the Lord's Prayer is that we all use slightly different versions of it. So I'm not saying this is the right version or anything else, it's just one I happen to find with a good image on, uh, on um, Google Images, but it's just it's, it's the Lord's Prayer. So let's say this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Larry.